What are kids really thinking and feeling? Sometimes it's hard to know. The thousands of letters and emails kids send to Highlights Magazine every year help us keep our finger on the pulse of kids. We think they can also help you. So each week on this podcast, we talk with friends and experts about the things kids share with us and about making a world that honors children's voices. Lean in and listen to learn what kids want their grown-ups to know about being a kid today. I'm Christine French-Cully, and you are listening to Dear Highlights. Dear Highlights, I have a problem with my temper up your at night, and I miss you all the I get keys I want your head. Dear Highlights. Dear Highlights. Dear Highlights. Hey, everybody. It's Teacher's Day, and we wanted to create an episode of this podcast to celebrate that. I don't know whose really good idea it was to create a Teacher's Day to remind us all of the importance and influence of teachers, but kudos to that person. We here at Highlights hear from many kids who tell us that among the people they most admire are their teachers. You might think that they would have named athletes, musicians, or other celebrities as their heroes, but in surveys of our readers and in our reader mail, Kids most often name parents or other relatives and teachers as the people they most admire. In fact, if you'll indulge me, I'd just like to share a poem that uh, eight-year-old Elijah wrote to us about his teacher. It's kind of a love letter, and it's titled, My Third Grade Teacher, Mrs. Williams. My favorite teacher is Mrs. Williams. She taught me to reach for the stars, and now I think someday I might like to visit Mars. So thank you, Mrs. Williams, for all you have done. You make learning so much fun. (laughs) I love that. And I get that kids love their teachers. A good teacher is such an amazing influence. Uh, I'm sure we all have our stories about favorite teachers. And after today's visit with a friend of Highlights, the 2021 National Teacher of the Year, I'm convinced that every day should be Teacher's Day or at least a day where we express gratitude to those who teach our children. All right, my guest, I'm so happy she's with us, is Juliana Erdebe, a first-generation bilingual immigrant who loved school as a child. Drawn to teaching through a high school teacher leadership academy, she knew it would be important to be a bilingual teacher. Now the 2021 National Teacher of the Year, Juliana works to serve as a mirror for her school community helping students to be proud of their identities and their families and to acknowledge their strengths and contributions to the community. Juliana inspires young learners at a school in Las Vegas where she serves as co-teacher in pre-kindergarten through fifth grade special education settings and as an instructional strategist. Juliana, congratulations on being named 2021 Teacher of the Year, such an accomplishment, and thank you for joining us to celebrate Teacher's Day. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you all. Let's start by hearing you tell us a little bit about your path to becoming a teacher. What made you interested in becoming an educator? You know, I've always loved learning. Um, My family went out of their way above and beyond to make sure that they found schools that really helped my sisters and I love learning. Um, And when those schools weren't necessarily available, my family went into the schools to be part of my class. So my dad would come in and sing Spanish guitar and songs with all of my classmates. My mom would come in and teach Spanish classes. And it really helped me feel like school was a second home for me. Um, 
recently, a second grade teacher that I had reached out to me on social media. And in our exchange, I realized that that was part of the reason that I became a teacher. One of my classmates, um, he uh, has Down syndrome and he had an aide with him the whole time. I remember he was one of my best friends in second grade. I spent all day long with him, um, supporting him and him supporting me. And then all of the students that were new to the country that would arrive to our class, since I had already been here for a few years, I got to be kind of their guide, their helper, their translator. And those were the things that made me realize how much I loved learning. Um, fast forward to high school, I got an opportunity to go and check out some elementary schools to see if maybe teaching was going to be what I wanted to do with um, my career. And when I went to the schools, I loved the environment. And I realized that a lot of the students looked like me and probably had similar stories to me, but a lot of the teachers didn't. And so I wanted to be one of those teachers that did reflect the students. Um, and so it has been definitely something that I have inched my way towards all of my life, but I love being a teacher and I love being able to be part of schools every day. Thank you for sharing that. A lot of parents right now are worried about their kids in school. They're worried about the learning loss that may have occurred during the pandemic. Um, you have said that fixating on the idea of loss is the wrong thing. Can you share more about why that is? Yes, and I completely understand families being concerned. We've all been through quite a bit in the last two years, kids included. Um, and so that's why teachers are so anxious and so excited to get back to the routines and the things that help all of us, right? Um, the students, the families, and teachers. For me, the last two years not only have been really difficult, but they've been exceptional learning opportunities, I've learned yet again how important it is to build a community with a classroom. And, you know, during the last two years, my classroom community has been there for me. They've been really um, kind of what I looked forward to during the height of the pandemic, during the height of the shutdowns. I looked forward each and every day to see my students. I looked forward to continuing our learning. And when the word learning loss started getting thrown around, I know that my teacher friends and I, we all kind of thought that that didn't fit. It didn't match the energy and the commitment so many students, their families and teachers put into keeping everything going to the best of our abilities. You know, I'm somebody who truly believes that kids and students come with all sorts of strengths. And so as a teacher, it's my job to fixate on their strengths. And so I want to fixate on the students who learned so much over the break, students who made a lot of growth in terms of their social and emotional independence over um, the pandemic. I have families who tell me that over the pandemic, their children who didn't speak a whole lot of Spanish got so much opportunity to practice their Spanish at home, because we were all spending a lot of time at home, that the parents were really proud that they were speaking Spanish again and with confidence. So to me, that's something I want to highlight. Um, there's other students who learned how to use technology, how to navigate the internet. And so I want to focus on that. Um, I truly believe that we will get back to where we needed to be in terms of everybody's academic progression. Um, and in the meantime, I want kids to love learning. I want them to love coming to school. And that's my number one priority. Yeah, that's, that's a great reminder that there are lots of positive things to focus on. Uh, a lot of good things happened in the pandemic. A lot of parents made the best of it with good results. Yeah. 
Many parents want very much to know about their kid's school day. And I had a kid like this. Sometimes when you ask your child, how was your day? Uh, you get a one word answer. It was fine. Okay. All right. How can grown-ups facilitate a conversation with kids that might actually reveal something helpful or meaningful about a child's school experience? That is such a good question. That is such a good question because I think that really good teachers know that good teaching happens when we ask the right questions. Um, and so what we try to do is ask a lot of open-ended questions and just be really good listeners. Right. So sometimes kids don't tell us uh, stuff that happens in school because they don't want their family to come in and intervene. Right. Sometimes they just want to vent. You know, they're just like adults. Sometimes they just have something on their mind and they just want an ear to listen. And so um, I always suggest asking questions like, tell me about a time in the day that you felt really happy. Tell me about something that surprised you today. Um, tell me about a time that you felt challenged. Tell me about a time that you helped somebody today or that somebody helped you. Um, things like that are usually more telling than an overall, because honestly, kids have a hard time summarizing their whole day. You know, it's a busy day in an elementary school where you go from specials back to class to lunch to recess back and forth. And so it's a lot for kids to kind of hold in their memory. So if we just have them kind of revert back to the emotions they felt during the day, that's when, that's when we'll get some really good stuff from our, from our little ones. I was a working mom. And so sometimes by the time I had a chance to ask my children about how their day went, several hours had passed and I'm not even sure that they always remembered. Um, is there a good time for parents to do that? Does it have to happen as soon as they get off the bus or come in the door? No, it, it, you know what? Each family has its strengths. And I think that your children probably knew how hardworking you were and how lucky they were to have a mom who was always looking out for them. Um, no, I think it's, it's really, it could even be on the way to school the next day. Um, our emotions are so powerful that they carry our memory. So, you know, you'll often hear that saying, I think it's a Maya Angelou quote, People don't remember what you said to them, but they remember how you made them feel. And I think that right now, especially where we are in education, it's so important that our students feel respected, that they feel seen, um, that they feel validated at school. And so I think that as a family, that's kind of what we want to find out if our students are feeling that way. Um, and so they'll carry that, that memory for whenever it's most convenient, most practical for families to ask. Um, I typically never assigned homework for my students, but I did always recommend that they would go home and find a book that they loved and spend uh, the right amount of time for them. You know, generally, if they could get to 20 minutes, that would be beautiful. And then I would recommend that they did five to 10 minutes of journal writing. That journal writing could be drawing about something that happened during the day. That journal writing could be, you know, literally a summary. Um, and then what I would offer is I would offer to find a, a reader for my students. Sometimes I would read that journal. Sometimes their family members would read that journal or a peer would read that journal. And then we'd get to kind of have a conversation back and forth. That's also an option for families who have working schedules and to make it difficult to have that conversation right off the bat. That's a great suggestion. 
Well, clearly you were a child who loved school, as you say, and you can tell you are a grown-up who loves school. <laughs> what are some things parents can do to help foster a love of school in their children? One of the things that helped me pivot the way I saw learning was understanding how our brain works. Right? I did a deep dive unit with my students, I don't know, like seven years ago, um, where I didn't know much about the learning and how it impacted uh, the brain, how the brain impacted learning. And so I told my students, hey, we're all starting at square one and let's do it together. And what we found out about learning about different parts of the brain was transformational. You know, my students learned about the prefrontal cortex. They learned about their amygdala, about the hippocampus, and how much our mindset, our emotions, our frameworks, how much they um, really translate to how we learn. The first thing a learner needs to do is be able to know themselves, right? What do I like? What am I really good at? What are some things that maybe aren't my interests, maybe aren't my strengths? And being really self-aware about those things helps students. I work with students who have learning and thinking differences, who have special educational needs. And for them to understand that their brain was perfect just the way it was. And then instead, what we had to do was find different pathways for learning to make sense to their brain. Um, and that was really empowering. You know, my students learn to not only value themselves as unique, but value other people as unique and understand that not everybody had to have the same strengths. I worry sometimes that schools do try to standardize strengths. They maybe unintentionally tell kids, this is what it looks like to be a good student. And so the kids who don't look like that or don't act like that or don't learn like that think, hmm, maybe school's not for me. But I'm the kind of teacher that thinks that every child um, is a great teacher because every child t teaches us a better way to teach. And so what I want is for kids to be able to be themselves at school and feel like they are themselves at schools. So to get to your question about what can families do to help students um, who might not feel so at ease and in love with school is help them understand their strengths. Help them understand how do you prefer to learn? What are things that people do that help you? You know, so for example, I remember one of my students, super, super capable, very sweet, very intelligent. Um, it wasn't, and I, I worked with her for three years. So I worked with her in third grade and fourth grade. And it wasn't until fifth grade that her mom told me, hey, she really loves to do her work standing up. Do you think that maybe she could get another table at the back of the room so she can like dance around while she does her work? And I said, absolutely. And from then on, she just blossomed. You know, she got to, she, she got to advocate for herself. And then I got to provide something that made her a better learner. So I think it's about being able to say, hey, this is what I need. This is what I would like. Um, and that's hard for kids to do. And that's something that families can help them do. Mm. You're reminding me of when my son started kindergarten and a kindergarten orientation. Um, the teacher said, she held up her index finger and she said, I understand that you're bringing me your child and your child's light is very special. And don't worry, I'm not going to put a bushel over your child's light. We're going to make sure it shines. And there wasn't a dry eye in the room. We all started sniffling <laughs> because that's, you know, really what we hope will happen. And, and when your child does feel like uh, he or she can shine in the classroom, of course, they're going to do better. Um, so thank you for 
for bringing me back that memory, which I've loved. Thought That's about so beautiful. That I, so I thought beautiful. it was too, and we were all completely choked up. <laughs> well, these are really extraordinary times we're in now. Back to school has been um, a bumpy start in many parts of the country. The COVID-19 pandemic has affected every part of the school experience, I think. And there's been a rise in teachers leaving the profession. And one of the most common reasons they give is the stresses and disappointments of teaching. And they say that it just doesn't make it worth it anymore. You know, if they have not already, one in four teachers who are currently working say they are thinking about leaving the profession. That's pretty frightening. Uh, what do you think we need to change as a society to retain our best teachers or to attract the best teachers? This is the question of our time in education. It's a question that I believe absolutely everybody needs to be focused on. Um, I'll tell you this, all teachers, and I say this with a lot of confidence, never choose to leave the profession because of the children. That, in fact, that is probably what helped them hold on a little bit longer. We love our students. Um, I think sometimes the challenges are being able to focus on our students. And there's a lot of things in education that pull us away from our students. So it's this balance. And I think what teachers need more often is just more support from the community, more support from families, um, and not necessarily in, in material things like material. Uh, you know, resources or, you know, objects for class projects, but the relationship with families, right? For families to say, hey, I heard this is happening and this is going to be discussed at the board meeting. I'm able to go to that board meeting. What would you like me to say, right? What is important for me to know? Having that kind of dialogue really uplifts teachers because it reminds us we're not alone, um, I think another thing that's really helpful for teachers is having really supportive administration. Just like they say teachers are the number one impact on our students, administrations or our principals and deans um, at our schools are the number one determinant of how happy a teacher and how sustained a teacher's practice is at a school. And so I think we also need to give a lot of love and support to our administrators. Often their hands are so full and tied because of different policies and regulations that they have to keep up with that the last thing they get to do is support teachers. So I think we need to advocate for our principals to be able to have, you know, an allotted amount of time to spend supporting teachers. Um, one of the things I tell new teachers out there is that make sure that when you go to a school to interview, you're interviewing the principal just like they're interviewing you. So as a family, you have that right to also know what is that principal's philosophy of education? How do teachers feel working at that school with that leadership? Those are really important things. Um, the other thing that I think is really important is uh, making sure teachers have voice in the policies that are made for our students. And right now, it's, um, and it's an exciting political time. You know, the first lady, Dr. Biden, is a teacher herself. Um, the first or the second gentleman is also a teacher. He's teaching at George Washington University this year. Um, Secretary Cardona, our secretary of public education, is also a found believer in having teacher voice. And so what we need to do is we need to be able to create space for teachers to inform what happens. And I think those were all, would all be things that would help us. 
Another thing that I think is super crucial, um, in addition to equitable pay for our expertise, is increasing the number of teachers of color at schools. Being able to have pipelines and, like you said, sustaining practices to make sure teachers feel like they can stay in this profession. Um, I love teaching and I, I know how hard it is. And so my heart is with all of my colleagues who, who are experiencing quite a bit of challenge. Um, and I hope that together we can create, you know, healthy places for these experts, these enormously beautiful people who are teachers to be able to stay in the classroom and do it in a way that they can also balance their personal lives, their families. You know, we like to close our podcast by asking all of our guests um, this question. At Highlights, we believe that children are the world's most important people. And if we really honored that belief, how would things be different? I think you've partly at least answered that question really well by telling us how um, you think schools would be different if we treated teachers and administrators differently. Would you add anything to your answer there? I would. This year, my focus, my platform, my body of work is a joyous and just education. And I went, when I go around the country talking to different folks, some are teachers, some are students, some are policymakers, I tell them how important it is to have student voice as a like, key element in the educational ecosystem. We have to be able to know our students and to really bring them joy and justice. So joy comes from students feeling like they belong at their school, right? School is full of play, but it's also full of experiential learning and hands-on learning. Um, and then the just part comes because we know that there are some issues that we have to fix in education. And I don't think we have to shield our students from that, our children from that. I think our students can help be part of the solution, help give us ideas, help implement those ideas. Um, and so that's what I really try to carry out is that it's going to take our students, their families, our teachers, an entire school system to build more joyous and just places for everybody because that's how we all will do best. Thank you. That was beautiful. I know it highlights every time we lean in and listen to a child, we learn something. Absolutely. And congratulations again on being named Teacher of the Year. Uh, your students are very fortunate. The joy that you uh, express when you're talking about your students and your work is obvious. It just emanates from you. I, I have the pleasure, listeners, of watching her while she speaks. And uh, it's all over her face. It's You can't miss it. Um, thank you for all you do for children. Thank you, Christine. Um, you know, I grew up reading highlights and it makes me so happy to hear that children are still super interested in highlights. It's a great way to communicate and get up to date about things that are happening all over the world. And so thank you for your work to make sure that students have access to that kind of knowledge. And it's an honor. It's an honor to be here with you all today. Thank you so much. We are honored to be able to elevate kids' voices and imagine a world where grown-ups take seriously kids' concerns and act on them. Whether a child's concern is big or small, unique or universal, serious or sure to work itself out, it's real to the child and matters deeply. We've come to see that in every letter kids have sent to us over the years, there are implicit, overarching questions embedded within. Do you care? Am I loved? Do I have a place in the world, a place in the lives of the people I love? 
We hope kids believe us when we say in many more words, yes, yes, yes. Let's all lean in to give kids what they really need and want, more listening, more understanding, and more connecting. This podcast is an extension of the book, Dear Highlights, What Adults Can Learn from 75 Years of Letters and Conversations with Kids, available now wherever books are sold. If you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and please leave a review to help us reach more grown-ups who care about kids. Special thanks to the producer of this podcast, Hilary Bates, and also to our audio engineer, Ted Weckbacher.